0: Mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the city of Findlay has 4.2 million dollars in federal funds from the American Rescue Plan to spend. The only question city leaders still have to decide is how best to put the money to use. We'll take a closer look. Also this morning, to your health, the Cleveland Clinic is out with their latest mention it survey, highlighting the important health issues men find difficult to discuss with their doctor. And did you know that September is the most popular month for birthdays? That and hundreds more unexpected facts explained in the new National Geographic kids book, Weird But True Birthdays. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, September 13th, 2022. Today is National Defy Superstition Day. Uh, also so go ahead walk under walk under a ladder let a black cat cross your path go ahead and break a mirror if you want don't worry about it defy superstition day fortune cookie day today which is kind of ironic because on a day that you defy superstition we want to go and see what our fortune cookie says it's kind of weird Uh, Or am I the only one who thinks that? Anyway, uh, Bald is Beautiful Day. It is International Chocolate Day, National Peanut Day, Snack-A-Pickle Day, (laughs) Positive Thinking Day, and it is Uncle Sam Day today. So, reasons to celebrate on this 13th day of September. Once again, uh, struggling a little bit. My voice uh, seems a bit strained. Uh, this morning, I've been dealing with this the past couple of days. Uh, yesterday was a little rough. Today, uh, it feels a little rough here this morning. Maybe by the time the morning is over, I'll uh, have regained. <laughs> My voice will kind of settle in here. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, just I mentioned yesterday, I think it was because I was yelling at the TV uh, this football weekend uh, because things were just so crazy. But, uh, I don't know, normally when I do that, uh it, the the voice settles itself out within 24 hours or so and this is a couple of days now. I I feel fine. Uh there's you know I don't have anything anything wrong. It's just my voice is not all there. So we'll try and muddle through here this morning. So uh this was a, a big story yesterday. A group of 22 Republican governors uh including uh Mike DeWine have sent a letter to President Biden demanding that he withdraw his student loan forgiveness plan, which, of course, he announced a couple of weeks ago. The governors say the plan will benefit only 16 to 17 percent of Americans, while the vast majority of taxpayers will have to pay for it, including those who chose not to incur college debt. They also point out that uh, the president... Uh, doesn't have the authority to just wipe out, uh, wave his magic wand and wipe out student loan debt in any amount. And uh, that's been one of the questions surrounding the uh, program. Doesn't say whether uh, there would be a legal challenge pending. It is starting by just requesting that the president reconsider his plan. The uh, effort led by Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa... Uh, So we'll see if that does anything more than likely. It's not going to make any difference whatsoever, Um, but there you go. And uh, Ohio's governor, DeWine, part of uh, that effort to get the president to reconsider uh, that idea. One of the other uh, interesting uh, stories of the day yesterday, in case you missed this, I thought this was kind of interesting, Um. Franklin Graham, the uh, son of famed pastor Billy Graham, uh, says he is looking forward to preaching the gospel this fall with his God Loves You Tour. <laughs> He's, that's right, Franklin Graham going on tour. The God Loves You Tour, it says, will come to six American cities this fall, starting with Allentown, Pennsylvania on September the 24th, so here in about a week and a half. Uh, he will also then uh, preach in York, Pennsylvania on September the 25th, in Youngstown on September 27th, in Flint, Michigan on September 29th, Waukesha, Wisconsin on October 1st, and Rochester, Minnesota uh, on October, sef- uh, October 2nd, uh, rather it is the God Loves You Tour, Franklin Graham. I can't help but notice when I saw this story, story on the uh, Newswire, I can't help but notice that uh, all of those, what do all of those cities have in common? They are all in swing states in the midterm election, and they are all uh, of those appearances ahead of the midterm election. Far be it from me to be cynical about a the intentions of a man of God. But it just is kind of interesting. You're going to be in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, uh, all before the midterm elections. I'm just saying... It's kind of interesting. So make of that what you will. Speaking of uh, politics, the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, big story yesterday. Uh, speaking of President Biden, he announced yesterday new steps in his cancer moonshot initiative. Um, he has uh, named a scientist by the name of, uh, is it Renee? Regrizin regrazin i don't know how you pronounce uh she's the first director of the new advanced research projects agency for health uh the president also signed an executive order that will boost development of biotechnology and biomanufacturing technologies in the u.s with the goal of reducing cancer deaths by 50 percent over the next 25 years they call it the cancer moonshot because it is a uh A big initiative, a big proposal uh, that is not unlike President Kennedy's goal to land a man on the moon and return him safely to Earth by the end of the 1960s. If you remember uh, the uh, the president's moonshot initiative, this is the cancer moonshot initiative, a big goal of reducing cancer deaths by 50 percent over the next 25 years. Um I would hope that that would be that this would be something that we could all get behind that we could kind of set partisan politics aside. I'm sure we won't. I'm sure that there will be people who will question where the finances, where the money is coming from for uh, all of these initiatives, but it would be you have to applaud the goal. You have to applaud the goal. Uh so there is that Uh, Speaking of uh, medical uh, items, I saw this on the uh, Newswire this morning. I thought it was really uh, interesting. This may be this day's news of most lasting significance. Researchers from the University of Alabama might have stumbled upon a weight loss game changer. A weekly injection of semaglutide. semaglutide. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, This weekly injection helped patients lose an average of 37 pounds and cut their diabetes risk by 50%. The author of this study, Dr. Timothy Garvey, said we have not seen this degree of weight loss with any previous medication. Some participants lost up to 20%, 20% of their body weight. This could provide a less invasive alternative to bariatric surgery, the doctor says. If it is ultimately approved by the FDA, 2.4 milligrams of semi, uh, semaglutide has the potential to radically change the way we think about treating the disease of obesity. This could be huge. And think about that an injection. That And of course, the big question will be, will those individuals who receive this injection be able to maintain that weight loss, uh, that dramatic weight, weight loss and uh, stave off diabetes long term? Uh, I would imagine that remains to be seen, but it is certainly uh, some encouraging news. So maybe years from now, when this is the standard treatment for obesity you can say you heard about it first right here and uh one other item that i thought was kind of interesting off of the medical files or on the uh, subject of uh of medical health uh, how about addressing your dental health this uh item from a uh, dentist by the name of sylvio Cartis, sylvio uh, cartas pronounce it uh, says if you want strong and healthy teeth there is one mistake that most of us make while caring for our pearly whites he says people tend to rinse after brushing you do that you brush your teeth and then you rinse he said that is not the way you do it not the way you're supposed to do it uh rinsing after you brush causes the removal of fluoride from the teeth, which means your teeth can't benefit by these uh, strengthening properties that the minerals have on the enamel of your teeth. If you rinse it all away. Instead, he says, after you are done brushing this morning, just spit. Don't rinse, just spit. And that is and then leave it alone. Uh, toothpaste ingredients. He says need time to release onto the tin, bond onto the teeth, the fluoride and such, and rinsing removes those ingredients too quickly. Oh, no! There you go. So uh, don't rinse uh, when you brush your teeth this morning. You're welcome. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started.
1: WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. It'll be cloudy early today, but becoming partly to mostly sunny in the afternoon, a high of 71, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 55. A food distribution and resource fair will be held at the Hancock County Fairgrounds this week. During the resource fair portion of the event, attendees will receive nutritional education, easy to make recipes and other key resources for whole person wellness. The event also includes a food distribution provided through the West Ohio Food Bank. This food distribution and resource fair is being put on by the Hancock County Food Security Coalition and will take place on Thursday. Get more details on the website. The first murder trial in the massacre involving a feud between two Ohio families that left eight people dead is underway this week. George Wagner IV has pleaded not guilty to aggravated murder charges in the mass killing near Piketon in 2016. George Wagner's brother, Jake, and his mother, Angela, have previously pleaded guilty. George Wagner's defense attorney has said that Jake Wagner told prosecutors that his brother didn't shoot anyone. Prosecutors say the killings stemmed from a custody dispute over a child Jake Wagner had with one of the victims. Dave James, ONN News. Retiring Republican U.S. Senator Rob Portman of Ohio says the Marriage Equality Act he's co-sponsoring may not have the support it needs to pass the Senate. The U.S. House passed a similar bill in July. The Respect for Marriage Act would make sure that every legal marriage would be considered legitimate and would prohibit any state from discriminating against same-sex couples married in other states. And it would repeal the Defense of Marriage Act, which only recognized marriages between a man and a woman. Hancock Public Health is inviting community members to take the 2022 Hancock County Quality of Life Survey. The health department's Chad Masters says the anonymous survey includes 15 questions. It's pretty straightforward, really. It's asking you, you know, do you feel that this is a safe community to live in? Do you feel that this is a community that you want to raise your children in? If you're an older adult, do you feel that you have access to services to? He says the survey will only take a few minutes to fill out, and the information will be very helpful for the health department going forward. On our website, you'll find a link to that survey. I'm Matt Demcheck for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So it turns out that the
0: city of Findlay has... A little less, about four and a quarter million dollars in federal funds from the American Rescue Plan to spend. The only question that city leaders still have to decide is how best to put that money to use. We are joined by uh, Mayor Christina Mern and Appropriations Committee uh, Chair uh, Jeff Woebser uh, with us this morning. Thanks uh, to both of you for uh, joining yeah, us, us. Uh, this morning. Uh, before we get started on that, I understand uh, you were just saying before we went on the air that you are just back from uh, Toledo uh, to send off the uh, honor flight uh, this morning.
2: It's always a great experience to get to, to, you know, send our veterans off to be able to experience what many of them have not. You know, the memorials to them and their colleagues that have served our country with distinction, and so uh, it's always fun to get to say, "Hey, have have a fun day, be safe, and thank you." Um, and a really special, you know, welcoming them home, especially mm-hmm. for the Vietnam veterans that didn't previously get that. So yeah. they had two World War II veterans, two female veterans, and eighty-six total veterans that wow. were attending their largest. That's awesome. um, trip yet so and, you it's know great.
0: What, what's really cool about that i mean certainly uh best of luck and godspeed to the uh, veterans off of the honor flight to the nation's capital and back in a single day it's a yeah, long day <laughs> um but uh it's also cool to see because there's so many fundraisers that we have uh locally and such for the uh, veterans to see all of that like come together so. It is.
2: It's great. You know, I know they do a lot of great programming through the Flag City Honor Flight, whether it's their um, kind of gala events that they've done in the past. Recently, they had the jazz concert, um, which was a fundraiser. And I mm-hmm. know we are talking about some potential events for, let's see, 2024, which I know seems like a very long way away. <laughs> um, but it's the 50th anniversary of Flag flag city designation and so uh, we're talking to them about maybe doing a flag city gala type so, event which would be cool yeah so we'll see stay tuned <laughs> stay uh, tuned a i know I, there. exactly a uh, so
0: we'll put that on our calendar and make sure that we circle back <laughs> with that uh so let's talk about this uh, funding these uh this federal uh funding uh comes from the uh american rescue plan act the uh, arpa funding as Correct. it's uh being called and first of all just to kind of get this out of the way because i know that there uh, was some opposition to uh the idea of doling out literally billions of dollars uh and and so on uh there's some opposition to the uh, package but setting all of that aside if the money's going to be spent we may as well get our share of it right i mean that's kind of the idea
2: yeah definitely you know throughout um my time as mayor representing and kind of through this discussion, my biggest thing was make sure that cities get the money directly Mm -hmm. and that we have the most flexibility possible on how we spend it. And, you know, every community is a little bit different in the issues that we're facing right then, how best to address them and what the money is going to be best utilized to invest and do exactly what it was intended to do with kind of supporting economic recovery coming out of COVID.
0: So talking uh, a little bit about what the uh, money was uh, intended to do. I mean, the idea, the overarching idea behind this, as I understand it, was we're going to replace some lost tax revenue to uh, municipalities, cities and municipalities. Um, did we lose a lot of uh, tax revenue as a result of uh, COVID?
2: So we were fortunate that we only saw about a 7% decline year over year in our tax revenues. Mm-hmm. Um, the There was t- revenue replacement, which was one of the methods for the funds to be utilized. Also infrastructure investment specifically to broadband and water and sewer infrastructure, which is a huge cost. And a lot of federal and state dollars go to supporting that. Really, I don't think there's any community that would be able to fund the program projects and the infrastructure necessary without those federal and state dollars. So I think they were trying to expedite some of that um, as well as we saw with the infrastructure package and then helping with some of the costs that we incurred during COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, So, the city did see some revenue impact, not as significant as some other communities because we have such that strong manufacturing and logistics. We actually saw some of our businesses grow mm-hmm. during COVID. Right. But communities you know, like Columbus or Cleveland or even some smaller communities that are more kind of office, white collar based, saw huge deficits, especially in Ohio being income tax
0: based. So the next question then is how do we use uh, this funding? Is there a use it or lose it provision? I mean, does it have to be decided by a certain time in order to receive those funds?
3: Yes, it does. So we've got our processes in place. the The mayor is going to come to us on the twentieth of this month to the appropriations committee, and she's got a list her uh, list of things that she would like to uh, talk about with us. Now we've not gone into this. We're not going to go into it this morning and make some broad possibly. it's mm-hmm. That's her list. So <laughs> right. the Appropriations Committee will take those and vet those um, different ideas and look at the cost of those and the monies that we've got coming in. The the four point twos coming to us in two different uh, $2.1 million tranches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to take that into account. And the one thing, you know, when we look at how this can be spent uh, in this Uh, set of money. The uh, federal government has put in a clawback clause into this that's very, um, I don't want to say onerous, but it's out there. So we have to be very careful on what we spend our money on. It has to fit very strict guidelines.
0: Well, that was the other question. Uh, Not only is there a use it or lose it sort of thing, it's not something you just bank, um, but there are also some conditions on the way it is used.
3: Absolutely. So the auditor has done a great job and his staff of making sure that we understand the guidelines that we are under so that we don't get outside the guard post, Right. And, uh, so we will stay within those rules and, uh, take the mayor's, uh, uh, her uh, ideas into account and make mm. it work as best we can for the community.
0: And I understand that not only are there uh, certain conditions on the way the the money is used, but there are also different re- reporting requirements, uh, documentation requirements, depending on how it is used. So you take that into account as well. I would
3: Right. Imagine. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend to understand <laughs> what all these different rules were. Ginger yeah. Sampson, who is uh, works for uh, Jim Stasiak in the auditor's office she made a determination that was best for their office and for the city and the way that we can spend these funds to go to a revenue replacement structure. structure. So Mm -hmm. we're going to follow those guidelines. What she had to do for the first round of funding was, in my mind, onerous. But it's government, right? So they don't make anything easy. This is a little bit easier on the auditor's office to keep track of this and to uh, account for all these dollars for the years to come.
0: So revenue replacement uh, is kind of a, a broad term. Correct. What would that <laughs> I- include or what might some of the things on the wish list be?
2: Yeah, so I, I guess I want to define it a little bit better. So one of the things in the final rule that the federal government did is recognize that there are a lot of smaller communities that were going to receive what we'll say are, I'm doing air quotes for those at home, you know, smaller amounts of mm-hmm. dollars. So, for example, the city of Finley is receiving you know, $4.2 million approximately. Some Mm -hmm. communities are receiving hundreds of millions of dollars. They put a provision in the final rule that under 10 million, you could kind of take as a just like once one bucket of like, it's almost like a tax, you know, exemption, like, hey, you know, you've qualified because of X, Y, and Z, you can just say we're taking these dollars because they're less than 10 million dollars. And it kind of releases some of that burden of reporting because you don't have to be as project specific Mm -hmm. in your definitions and reporting. And so that's what the city of Finley is doing for that kind of first step. As we are proposing our projects, the majority of them, if not all, will still continue to tie back to the rules because I think it's important one to continue to kind of uh, protect ourselves from any potential clawbacks, but two, kind of going back to what the essence of the funds were meant for. And so, what appropriations we'll see coming from the administration, and myself, is we looked at what are the capital projects that we have over the next couple of years. What are some of the items that we believe you know should be expedited, and these dollars can help either offset? Set the cost or fulfill the cost. And some of the broad buckets that we're looking at are city operations. So, how can we better improve the services that we provide to citizens? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we continue to invest in our infrastructure? And we have some large expenditures coming up so that we can continue to mitigate costs that are, you know, being borne by uh, the citizens, looking at health and wellness of the community. And then, one of the things that's important to me is that we try to have something that kind of benefits everybody. Um, so whether it's supporting different efforts by nonprofit organizations, by having potentially some grants that citizens can apply to, to help with different projects that they may want to see done or investing in kind of our outdoor recreation spaces that can be used by everyone. I don't want it just to go into the things that are in the ground um, or, you know, the behind the walls, as people like to say, but making mm-hmm. sure that we're kind of looking at that broad stroke, while also making sure that we're investing the dollars widely wisely.
0: Now, uh, Jeff, you mentioned next week, uh, we'll get uh, more details on some of those uh, proposals from the administration. You yes. uh, asked for uh, their input uh, and, and their ideas. Uh, aside from the mayor, who else uh, is kind of weighing in on ideas uh, for the way this money could be utilized?
3: So the Appropriations Committee will uh, will have a meeting prior to our regular council meeting on the 20th, and the mayor will lay out her plan in broad strokes, I suspect. Mm-hmm. And then, so we'll have this discussion about, you know, are these a good way to go with this? Have we thought about this? Have we thought about that? It's just a basic general conversation. Then that the committee will make a report back to council. Uh, but at this point, I don't believe, Mayor, unless you correct me if I'm wrong, we're not going to be at a point where we're ready to do legislation for actual... Um,
2: correct. We'll have some, some project proposals,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and then we'll get feedback from council, and then we would have to work through the detail of how we would roll those programs. Projects or programs out. So, some of them may be easy, like, yeah, we were going to have to do that capital expenditure next year, anyways. Let's put some money towards it. Mm-hmm. And that we may move forward with. And that would be an appropriation here probably in the next couple of months. Some of the other items are hey, this is an idea we had. If you're supportive of it, we'll go work on the details of how we implement it. And then that would be communicated. I think one thing that's important to note, though the city of Finley is going to be receiving about $4.2 million. At this point in time, I'm only going to be proposing that we spend about $2 million of that because going back to the time frame of expenditures, we have about three or four years to spend the funds or encumber the funds. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to go and just allocate it all right now, I will kind of want to say, um, okay, here are some initial things we want to spend it on. Let's see how that year ends. Let's look at our capital plan. Let's look at what we find from strategic planning. Let's talk about our overall financial picture and what makes sense uh, long term for the city So
0: that was actually going to be uh, my other question <laughs> is there you go. I gotcha. uh, when, when to decide what, you know, what kind of the time frame is. And it looks like this will be a, a long process. It's not something that's going to be decided uh, on Tuesday.
3: That's right. And then like the mayor said, you know, things happen, right? So yeah. there's no reason for us to spend all the funds immediately. So we'll take our time and do the things that we need to do now and then uh, wait and see what comes at us. We've got a lot of things on the um, coming at us soon, strategic planning, mm-hmm. as the mayor mentioned, uh, could uh, be a place where we'd want to use some of those funds, and uh, so we'll see. All right, very it's a nice good. place to be in.
0: Uh, yeah. That that's for sure, and we will leave it there for now. Again, uh, Mayor Christina Mern and Appropriations Committee uh, Chair uh, Jeff Woops are with us uh, this morning. Thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate yeah, thanks, it. Chris. Thank you, Chris. And now to your health this morning. For the past several years, the Cleveland Clinic has conducted a special survey specifically to get a snapshot of men's health issues. And this year's Mention It survey is out. The topic being what issues men are concerned about as they age, as well as misconceptions and or a lack of knowledge of conditions that men fear and joining us this morning with the results is dr todd bro urologist at the glickman urological and kidney institute at the cleveland clinic now by the way dr bro I-, I have to point this out because it gave me a chuckle it says in your bio that you are a graduate of the ohio state university with a degree in zoology so some would say that that makes you the perfect person to talk about the uh, understanding the mindset of men
4: I think that's, I think that's uh, fairly accurate. Uh, zoology definitely has given me an advantage as a, uh, as a urologist over the years.
0: <laughs> now, this, as we mentioned, is the seventh annual Mention It survey from the Cleveland Clinic. Talk a little bit about the goal of this ongoing project and what the Cleveland Clinic hopes to uh, accomplish from this.
4: Absolutely. So the Mention It campaign, the the main goal is to encourage men to mention or talk about their health conditions. You know, we we tend to kind of sweep things under the rug, push our concerns in the corner and not address issues uh, in their early or more treatable stages. So we're trying to kind of pull back the curtain and say, hey, yes, these health issues are present. We all have them. Let's talk about them and, uh, and get, get some solutions.
0: So from this latest survey, what are the health issues that men say they are most concerned about as they age?
4: Yeah, a couple that uh, were top of the list were mental health concerns um, and cardiovascular health. Um, specific to uh, my field, urology, um, men's sexual health. Uh, was, was, was top of the list, as was concerns about prostate cancer. Um, regarding sexual health specifically, men are concerned about erectile dysfunction, lack of libido, um, as well as low testosterone.
0: Now, I, I'm curious, does this vary by generation? I would imagine it, it would, but uh, you know, I've been surprised by some of the results before.
4: Yeah, you know it. It does. Some things vary, and some things stay the same. You know, in general, all men were concerned about these issues. Obviously, as we get older, they become more prominent, so they become more top of mind. Um, but a lot of folks don't realize. You know, it's not uncommon to see uh, sexual health issues and concerns in your in your thirties and forties, and even younger. Uh, sometimes, when when mental health uh, is involved, so. Um so, in general, I think the concerns were consistent across the board but uh, but but older men had uh, had had some more yeah. uh, some more specific interest in them um,
0: also, with respect to the mental health aspect, that's probably not a surprise, given everything that we've been through over the past couple of years, and there's been a lot of talk yeah. about the way uh, all of this has impacted uh, mental health of everyone in general. But as we said, you also uh, uncovered or or found in this survey some misconceptions that men have about their health. What among those uh, stood out to you the most, maybe surprised you the most?
4: Absolutely. A couple that, uh, that I found uh, interesting and that I see in my clinical practice. Um, a lot of men incorrectly believe that urinary symptoms that we develop as we age getting up more at night, weaker stream, going to the bathroom more frequently to prostate cancer uh, when in fact that can be a symptom just of normal benign or non-cancerous enlargement of the prostate. Um, And that highlights one of the reasons why early preventative screening is so important. Um, It also highlights why being aware of your family's medical history is important because a family history of prostate cancer, for instance, increases your risk of having it. Um, In addition, over 50% of men incorrectly believe that low testosterone is the cause of erectile dysfunction when in fact, it's a symptom of a more serious condition such as cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, or diabetes. Hmm. So again, this highlights the reason why we're so uh, adamant about encouraging men to get preventative screenings. See your primary care provider once a year because if these issues are identified and treated at their early stages, a lot of these symptoms, such as erectile dysfunction can be can be avoided
0: it's interesting the uh, point that you made about the uh, misperceptions regarding low testosterone uh, actually kind of speaks to one of the other questions that I was uh, curious about here as to what uh, among the misperceptions that you found uh, among men commonly held. Uh, what are potentially the most serious could cause the greatest health issues if they are not uh, addressed because of those misperceptions?
4: Yeah, I, I think the biggest one that we see is is prostate cancer um and 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 the lack of screening. Uh, over a third of men in our survey had never been screened for prostate cancer or testicular cancer, for instance. um, and over half, again, over fifty percent weren't doing preventative health screening. so, Again, by delaying the diagnosis of a potentially deadly disease, we're altering the outcome. Um, and so, you know, one of the goals, again, of some of the work we do here at the Cleveland Clinic is to uh, reach out to folks in the community, reach out to those underserved populations, um, encourage them to get these screenings, open up our doors, get them hooked up with, with physicians and uh, advanced practice providers who can uh, uh, kind of guide them through the process. Uh,
0: so with this data, uh, again, with this latest survey and the ones that have come before, talk a little bit about what you are doing with this information now to address uh, these, mis- uh, these misconceptions, uh, the uh, information that you find that uh, needs to be addressed. What do you do about it then?
4: Sure. So the, the data that we've gathered um, allows us to, uh, to, to kind of uh, focus our, uh, our efforts to address the issues. Specifically, uh, we've had a men's minority health fair for a number of years, which has transitioned into a community health fair open to folks of all genders. So when we get information from surveys like this, we know what screenings we need to tailor uh, our, our health fairs too. Mm -hmm. Um, this survey encouraged us to, uh, include mental health screening, for instance, in the health fair, which is very important. And as you mentioned, has, has affected folks, you know, over the years. So it just allows us to become a little more nimble, figure out what the needs are in the community and adapt to be able to, uh, to offer, uh, services directed towards us.
0: And in the broader sense, uh, it offers the same opportunity to other uh, health care providers, uh, doctors, to take a good look at this and, and maybe do the same thing.
4: A- absolutely. Absolutely. We, are, we have the, ma- uh, the majority of uh, the, uh, the departments are represented in our health fairs. Um, again, each department identifies uh, what conditions or issues they see uh, most prevalent in the community. And uh, and again, offer screenings and support uh, tailored to those needs.
0: Really interesting uh, insights into men's health and uh, their uh, perceptions of it, or in some cases, misperceptions of it. Dr. Todd Bro, again, urologist at the Glickman Urological and Kidney Institute at the Cleveland Clinic, talking about their seventh annual Mention It survey. And where do folks get more information uh, about the survey itself and the findings here that we're talking about?
4: Yeah, they can go to our website, clevelandclinic.org slash mention it and find uh, information pertaining to all the topics that we discussed today.
0: We will link that up on our webpage as well. Dr. Bro, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
4: Absolutely. Thank you. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. (laughs) Some anxious... Anxious moments at a a toddler's birthday party in Connecticut. Um, I'm sure that there's video of this online somewhere. Uh, Report says a black bear crashed the party. A toddler's birthday party made off with several cupcakes as parents frantically grabbed their kids and ran inside. (laughs) There's an unexpected guest at the uh, at the birthday party. I just thought it was uh, funny, the uh, reports that the invader made off with several cupcakes as parents frantically grabbed their kids and ran inside. The uh, child's mother says Saturday's party was for her two-year-old son, Cyrus, and everyone was startled when the bear made an appearance and refused to be scared off. It eventually wandered away after scarfing down its fill of the uh, birthday cake or the uh, cupcakes, as the uh, case may be. Officials say Connecticut's bear population has been on the rise in recent years. So. <laughs> Kids got a story to tell. Remember the birthday party that was crashed by a bear? Hmm. Got to be video of that somewhere, I would think. Uh, I have not seen it. I'll have to look that up, see if I can find it uh this is rather embarrassing. You know you're having a bad day. Uh when eight New Jersey firefighters are uh, recovering, all are expected to be okay uh after being injured and their pride also I'm sure hurt when their trucks collided while responding to a call. <laughs> firefighters uh ran into each other while uh, responding to a call. At least one uh reported to uh, be banged up really really uh, banged up really bad uh, but uh, the uh, mayor of the town says that they are all expected to be okay fully recover the firefighters were responding to a three alarm fire on saturday when their trucks collided one of the trucks reportedly crashed into a grocery store the other hit a tree uh, no one outside of the fire trucks was injured thank goodness but that's embarrassing You actually you know i'm surprised that doesn't happen more often you know you've got uh, all of these uh emergency vehicles responding at the same time to the same place almost surprised that it doesn't doesn't happen more often but that's that's embarrassing and if you think that's embarrassing check this out uh this is in louisiana <clears throat> Bridget Hull was in the wrong place at the wrong time. She decided to buy her drugs from the wrong person at the wrong time. Apparently, Bridget wanted to to get some drugs from one Stephen McCarthy. What she didn't know when she showed up at the parking lot of a fast food joint to make the deal was that Mr. McCarthy was under surveillance by the uh, local sheriff's office of living livingston parish there in louisiana <laughs> there as a matter of fact sheriff's deputies were almost ready they were uh, just moments away from swooping in to arrest mr mccarthy when they noticed that another deal was going down so wait a minute we'll wait to bust him until you know this happens uh so uh, ms hull uh wandered up to uh to make her purchase and that's when the uh, sheriff's office swooped in uh mr mccarthy tried to make a break for it uh managed to ding one of the cars in the parking lot while trying to make his getaway but both were arrested and facing uh now face multiple charges um uh mr mccarthy obviously for dealing and ms hall was uh uh nabbed for attempting to purchase uh, drugs and also for a firearm uh, possession of an illegal firearm what makes this uh, story particularly noteworthy and the broken news is that uh, ms hull also has now lost her job as a result of her arrest she is no longer the louisiana state board of private security examiners executive secretary <phone rings> A pretty cushy uh eighty-five thousand dollar a year state job that <laughs> she lost as executive secretary of the Louisiana State Board of Private Security examiners. Yeah, yeah that'll do it. That'll do it. Don't lose your job. That is a bad day. <laughs> hey, honey, I lost my job today. I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Uh, Let's see here. A couple of other uh, items in the broken news this morning. A California-based auction company is selling off an unusual piece of baseball memorabilia. Ty Cobb's Dentures. I kid you not, SCP Auctions said the listing is for the false teeth of the Detroit Tigers legend. The upper and lower sets of dentures are both included, along with uh, something described as a brass opening device. I don't know what that is. The uh, dentures belong to Ty Cobb, who played from the Tigers from 1905-1926, originally sourced from the collection of Ty Cobb's biographer. (laughs) Um... It says our consigner acquired them in the famous Barry Halper sale back in 1999 and has owned them ever since. <laughs> oh no! How did Ty Cobb's biographer end up with his dentures, of all things? I, uh, the uh, listing says at one point, Ty Cobb's famous jaws were loaned to the Baseball Hall of Fame where they were displayed at Cooperstown. The item description says the one-of-a-kind artifact has been preserved in immaculate condition. Uh, Ty Cobb still holds Major League Baseball record for career batting average. Uh, Bidding on the dentures closes Friday night. Uh, Bidding had surpassed $14,000 at last check. (laughs) You want to own Ty Cobb's dentures? Mm, Well, okay then. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this again, another story, you know, you're having a bad day when in New Jersey, the Bloomfield Cooper Jewish chapels being sued by the family of Janet Kay, who was not only buried in the wrong clothes, it turns out she was dressed in someone else's clothes. She was also buried in the wrong cemetery. The How does this happen? The 82-year-old woman uh, passed away a couple of years ago. Her family was astonished when the specific clothing and jewelry that they gave the funeral home did not wind up uh, on the matriarch of their family. Apparently, Janet wanted to be buried in a certain outfit, so the family made it abundantly clear to the uh, chapel uh, but, uh, Janet was not buried in the outfit of her selection or even at the right cemetery. The family alleges that instead of Mount Sinai cemetery, she was buried at another graveyard in another woman's clothing and wearing the wrong wedding ring. The family said that they were initially unaware of the blunder until a couple of days later when, uh, staff at, uh, the Bloomfield Cooper Jewish chapels, uh, told the family that they had misplaced her body. <laughs> that's not a call you want to get from the funeral home. I'm sorry. We've misplaced the body of your loved one. Apparently, uh, they had improperly tagged the elderly woman, which led to the mix up the funeral home staff, uh, later, uh, exhumed the, uh, the, the, the family's loved one and uh, buried her in the proper cemetery, Uh, janet's family now suing the funeral home for emotional distress (laughs) i would think that would fill the bill you know i'm not big on frivolous frivolous lawsuits uh, sometimes with with quote-unquote emotional distress but i would think this would qualify this this i think would qualify (laughs) you know you're having a bad day you bury the wrong person in the wrong cemetery uh, there you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
1: This is Atlanta no extension. It's harvest season. Drivers will be sharing roads with combines and grain hauling vehicles. Please be alert, especially on roads with limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this fall to keep our roads safe and accident-free.
3: This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM.
0: And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, and the statistics that shape our lives. You think that young kids believe everything they are told? Well, think again. (laughs) New research finds that children begin feeling skeptical about certain things that adults tell them as early as age six. This is uh, research from the university of Toronto and Harvard university. Uh, they, uh, basically, uh, presented children with facts that, uh, were counter to what, uh, what they uh, believe basically what they said is they uh, showed them a rock and they showed them a sponge and uh, the researchers told the kids that the rock was actually soft not hard and they said that the sponge was harder than the rock and uh, for real little kids they were okay with that but by about age six uh, they they find when children hear something that surprises them, that goes against what they think they know, uh, they say the kids will take it upon themselves to do their own research. They will observe and experiment with the objects, in this case the rock and the sponge, to seek out information to either confirm what they think they knew or what their uh, adults uh, claim as they, they test those claims that the adults are telling them research shows according to lead author samantha Catrell, research shows that as children age they become more skeptical of what adults tell them there's still a lot they said that we don't know but we do know that it only takes until eight before kids get to be skeptical or cynical of everything that grown-ups tell them so I think parents probably uh, already knew that. You have a very short window where the kids will believe everything that you tell them, it's only until age six. You may remember, we mentioned this yesterday, September is the most popular month for birthdays in this country. More people have September birthdays than any other month. And the folks at National Geographic Kids are out with a new addition to their popular Weird But True series, which is all about the coolest and weirdest birthday facts. Nat Geo's Avery Naughton joins us with more on Weird But True Birthdays. And Avery, there are some 300 fascinating facts about birthdays and birthday celebrations in here. What are some of your favorites? Give us some examples of what kids will learn here.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of my favorites um, is that a high school in Illinois, USA, had the most twin pairs in the same class year, uh, 44 pairs of twins. Wow. Uh, which I find just outstanding. <laughs> yeah. Um, another one of my favorites is kind of a social experiment you could try is if 23 people gather in a room, there's a 50% chance that at least two of them will share the same birthday.
0: Hmm. Just 23. I mean, I, I have often heard it uh, said, you know, if you're in a, like a stadium full of people, there are going to be hundreds, if not thousands who share a birthday and you do the math, it makes sense because there are only 365 days in a year, but for only a couple dozen people to be in a room together and, and have a 50, 50 chance of sharing a birthday, that's pretty impressive.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I was surprised by that one, um, but we have a ton of fun stuff. And um, we also, of course, being National Geographic, have some really interesting ones about animals and nature. So one of my favorites of those is that baby blue whales gain about two hundred pounds every single day until their first birthday. Wow,
0: that's uh, that's impressive. I love this because one of the <laughs> challenges in engaging kids, obviously, is in making whatever it is that you're teaching. Uh, relatable to kids and and everyone has a birthday. So this is certainly relatable. And one of the things we can use birthdays to teach is how birthdays are celebrated around the world, learning about customs of other, other cultures and things like that.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing our, you know, researchers um, and writers kept in mind. And then me as the editor of the book kept in mind. Um, And I find especially those kind of history based traditions to be really, really fascinating. Um, You know, so one of my favorites is that um, according to superstition, your Chinese zodiac year, which occurs every 12 years after your birth, may bring bad luck. um, And people can counteract that by wearing red. Um so we showcase a lot of those unique traditions and beliefs around the world to really give this book, you know, a global feel and make sure that kids are learning about the rest of the world too.
0: The the one universal being that everyone celebrates birthdays. And here again, it emphasizes the point that we do share some similarities with everyone across different cultures. Why is it that we celebrate our birthdays in the first place? What is the big attraction?
5: So this is one um question that our authors dug into and quite frankly there's so many different answers to that question. Um and one of the unique things about our Weird But True book series is that we keep we keep each of the facts under 30 words. Um so they're really bite-sized and easy to remember. So since there's so many reasons that people celebrate birthdays, um we, you know, kind of pared it all down. So there's a ton of answers. Um, but the gist of it is basically that, you know, back in the day, um, with lower survival rates it was really you know a huge accomplishment to reach the first birthday um so that's one of the reasons that you know we keep celebrating it and also one of the interesting things is that these facts highlight um you know throughout different places throughout different centuries Um, different birthdays were celebrated. So, for example, in ancient Rome, the 50th birthday was a gigantic celebration um, with special cakes, all of that, Um, you know, because people (laughs) didn't live that long back then. So it's interesting to see how it changes throughout history, too.
0: Well, and uh, again, you look at modern culture, I mean, we celebrate, you know, certain milestone birthdays, the sweet 16, the 18th birthday, when, you know, you kind of, quote-unquote, legally become an adult, and so on and so forth. So there are certain milestones uh in society that we ascribe to specific birth dates
5: right absolutely and so it's interesting to see you know which ones are different and like we mentioned with the chinese zodiac year which ones are you know superstitious uh, right more so than others so it's definitely interesting um to you know learn about that
0: too and what are some of the craziest birthday celebrations specifically that you find
5: I think probably one of the craziest is that the Sultan of Brunei had one of the world's most expensive birthday parties, a $25 million bash with a performance by Michael Jackson. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's the way to celebrate a birthday right there that's uh that's the way to to go all yes. out uh one of the other things that i think was uh interesting and and you were talking about how uh it may be surprising you gather a couple dozen people and there's a good chance that somebody in that group is going to share your birthday i would not have thought this but you say that there are some days of the week that are more or less popular for birthdays than others? Yeah, so our um, authors did some digging into that, and instead of actual
5: days, we found um, the most common birthday dates in the United States. Um, So the most common is September 9th, and the least common is actually December 25th.
0: And again, you would think Mm -hmm. that this would be totally random uh, and that there wouldn't be one specific date That would be more popular than others, but uh, any theories as to why that is? Oh, gosh, I guess looking out nine months out, sometimes there's different holidays
5: around that time period. Oh, okay. At least for September 9th, that seems to be the case. Um, so at least that's my um, theory, but I'd have to dig into our sources on what they say about that. Really? Um, and then another fun thing we did is, you know, a lot of people love astrology. So we looked into how certain days of the week are believed to sort of impact people's personalities. So, for example, to believe that people born on Wednesdays are talkative and love to travel um, thanks to that day's ruling planet Mercury. So we have a lot of fun astrology bits for readers to feel connected to um, and get excited about.
0: Well, as it happens, I was born on a Wednesday, and I do love to travel. And I <laughs> certainly, I mean, I talk for a living, so I guess uh, there is something to that. Uh, again, again uh, Avery Naughton is editor of uh, the uh, Weird But True Birthdays uh, book from National Geographic Kids. Where do we get uh, more information uh, on the book?
5: the National Geographic Kids website and that has a lot of information at it and it's on sale today so you can pick it up at any local bookstore or any um, you know, retailer if you're choosing.
0: Amber, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
5: Great, thank you. Have a good one.
0: And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.